Hello, and thank you for tuning in. We are Creative Spaces International, also known as CSI. We are an education and fulfillment company that has a goal and purpose to help you stay connected and informed on all things involving and in relation to cannabis. Our goal is simple. We are here to bridge the gap. Stay tuned and buckle in. You won't be disappointed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Spaces International, also known as CSI, because we are thorough like that. We are a brand-new company that's purpose is to educate, inform, and collaborate involving all things cannabis. I'm Annie, and I'm your host tonight, and I'm so excited to be here. I have my first guest for CSI on tonight, Kayla. Kayla, welcome, and thank you so much for uh, coming on the show with me tonight. Thank you very much for having me. So Kayla and I actually... uh, we went to high school together many, many moons ago in Augsburg, Germany, and we just reconnected on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I always think that everything happens for a reason. And Kayla agreed to come on and tell us a little bit about her story. So I'm going to turn it over to her, and uh, you guys should take a listen. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, thank you, Annie. And um, my name is Kayla. And... Uh, so weird. We were chatting before we um, went came, went live, and uh, I was thinking back to we were chatting a little bit about um, some of the misconceptions that were implanted into our brains way back in the 80s and 90s about cannabis and um, all of the scary uh, warnings that were attached to this substance. And, uh, you know, I... I uh, I actually was one of the kids that babysat for the D.A.R.E. officer. I found myself to be one of those, um, like, kind of do-girder kids and stuff like that. But uh, I was thinking on it, and I thought, man, it was certainly not cannabis that, like, opened up the gate for my exploration of feeling differently than what I was feeling at the time. And, uh, you know, it's... It's not, it has, it's not a lot of times, it's not even a lot of times, every single time when you, when you look at someone who is predisposed to addiction, if you really think long and hard back into their life, it has very little to do with what substance they started with and a lot to do with what their, their childhood and their life was like going into it. And I don't say that to mean like, you know, did they have two parents in the home or anything like that? I I mean more of like an internal kind of thing. And, you know, and and how they respond to the traumas that happen in our lives, whether they be huge or little, it's, it's it's an expectation that the moment you come into this world, there's going to be traumas that you experience throughout your span of life on this earth. And some people respond to them in healthy ways, um, maybe not immediately, but they find their way to a healthy way. And some of us um, are simply born without the tools to respond to them in a way that allows us to navigate through the world in a comfortable way. And for me, um, you know, I just always was a kid that, you know, was always liked everywhere, but never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Um, And, Maybe it's because I'm a military kid. Um, 
you know, it, it could be because, you know, I, I share a lot of traits uh, or I don't share a lot of, like, common personality traits with my family, so I've kind of always stuck out and stuff. But, um, you know, I grew up overseas, and I always had access to alcohol, and I had taken, you know, drinks here and there, but those things weren't enough to really, like, trigger anything in me. Um, it wasn't until I moved here to the United States, actually, that I'd gotten drunk for the first time, and <laughs> I had, uh, yeah, inter- interesting, right? Like, I grew up, my, almost my whole growing up was in Germany, and I never got drunk over there, but definitely, like, within the first year that I had moved into the United States, I got hammered. Well, I think, um, you know, what I, I, I always say about that is that, you know, we were taught a more responsible way of drinking because we could order oh, yeah. it at the bar, and we, you know what I mean? And so that's what I always attributed to is it that was never we really were an issue. I also think that, like, you know, when you're overseas on a military base, like, no matter how well you adapt to the ch- constantly changing situation, you're kind of all you you kind of always have a misfit aspect about you. You know, once you've just, once you've left that situation and gone anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Because um, not a lot of people your age are experiencing life the way that you're experiencing it. And for us, Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we had the fest right across the street from from our school. And, and I mean, we have a few years difference than us. Yeah, we had a fest, remember? And we had, um, yeah, you we could go, go we had an open on campus the- for lunch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, we had the opportunity to go out and get hammered at any time of the day that we wanted to. But there was enough happening um, on base and off base, I think that um, it didn't really. I don't think any of us ever. I don't think many of us ever really sat still with our thoughts long enough. Military kids. I don't think any of us really had that chance to really sit still long enough to to think that you might want to feel differently. And we grew up in an environment where you were told how to feel most of the time anyway, and you just easily acquiesced to it. But. The minute I got here, I want to say probably, let's see, I got here, I moved to the U.S. in 93, started, I started high school here, so I was in middle school, in junior high at the high school when, uh, when you and I were there, and, uh, which I thought was really cool that the 7th and 8th graders got to be in the same school as the high schoolers. I was like, I didn't even realize that you were a younger at the time, honestly. I, like I told you, I just remember the Chicago Bears jacket you wore all the time. No, it was a Bulls, that joint, that Bulls, my, my Chicago the Bulls. Bulls. Sorry, damn it. Yeah. Hey, I still remember yeah. that. <laughs> you know what's crazy? It was like I was such a huge Bulls fan. I didn't know anything about basketball. I had never even lived really in the U.S. enough to even know anything about American sports. <laughs> but I really, really, really wanted that, that Chicago Bulls starter jacket. I felt like it was like one of those things that you kind of needed that would really make you American. Because I didn't really ever – feel wholly American until I got here. But, um, but yeah, so, like, my first time drinking, like, getting drunk was, like, Strawberry Hills Boone's Farm with my girl, like, my very first real friend at this new high school I had just moved into. And uh, I was at a sleepover at her house. It wasn't really, like, a real sleepover. It was kind of like her mom went out to – bowl and then party on base for a little bit so she had the house and we were just going to crash there it was like me her and one other chick 
And these girls would date these really old dudes, like not really old, but 30s. <laughs> so like to <laughs> us, really old. <laughs> but they yeah. would always show up with alcohol. And this night they showed up with, with a ton of Boone's Farm and it tasted, you know, you know, as Ger- you know, German folks, we really like our sweet shit. <laughs> like, we like sweet. Oh, shit. yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, we drink sweet wine and brandy. <laughs> like, yeah. So that booze farm was like candy to my lips. And I just kept drinking it. And I started feeling really tingly. But then I also started feeling less, like, um, concerned with how I right. was being perceived, you know. Because that was always a concern of mine growing up. Every choice that I made, it, always, it, it very much mattered to me what the perception of that was. Um, and I, I don't, I don't say that like it's a crazy thing because I was a military kid. Like it's just kind of no, yeah, that was all of us. That's, that's, that's how we make our choices. Yep, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, so yeah, that was my first time. I got hammered off of that. I got so trashed off of that horrible, shitty, shitty wine, and I was so sick the next day. Like, really, really sick. And her mom was so mad that one of us, I can't remember if it was me or the other girl that fell asleep on the couch. But it was really not a good day the next day. And I knew I didn't want to go home because I knew I wasn't going to be able to explain why I was so sick. But I also knew I didn't want to stay there with her mom because her mom was way meaner than my mom. (laughs) So, but you know what? So, I think I... You know, going through, I will say this. I didn't try, I didn't try cannabis until the very end of high school. And I loved it. It scared me that I liked it because it wasn't like the way that I liked alcohol. Like I got drunk all, that night and I may have gotten drunk maybe a time or two after that in high, in high school. And I didn't really throw myself, you know, like fall into the throes of alcoholism until college. And it was still pretty good in college. But right. I really, I can think back, though, like there are certain friends of mine all these years that would choose to smoke weed over drink. And I used to think they were so boring because they would just like, sometimes they would never even make it out. <laughs> you know, and I used to be like, God, I just want to go out, I need to get out, I need to get out, I need to get out. And I don't want to sit here and smoke with you guys and we're going to sit here and miss the whole night. Um, but I can think back, I think back on it and I think, God, I really wish I would have missed a lot of those nights that I was yeah. so hell-bent on being out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those nights that I was like, fuck y'all, I'm not going to stay here and smoke with you guys. I'm going out and get hammered. I would end up either in jail or like in a yep. fight <laughs> or like crying in a corner or- somewhere, like. It never ended up good, and it was not, you know what I mean? And if it was good, it wasn't really that good because my actual friends were not there. So, um, so when, when I finally got sober, I got sober, uh, February 27, 2011. I, I was, I was 30 years old. I want to say maybe almost 31. I can't remember the actual numbers match up anymore, but I know it was like 30 or 31 and, you know, I won't go into the, you know, ins and outs of, of, you know, where everything, you know, where alcoholism took me, but I will say that 
You know, I did Stone Cold Sobriety for about five years. And um, it wasn't horrible. I'll, I'll say that. It wasn't horrible. Um, but, like, the idea of going through the rest of your life and not having something to lubricate, you know, yeah. these these tight spots, you know. And, um, you know, I am bipolar. I, I could very well you know, be on medication. And there are times where I do pick up the phone and I will call my psychiatrist. So I use cannabis these days. Um, Hello, to, and thank you, know, you for tuning in. Oh. We are Hold Creative on, Spaces sorry, no International. <laughs> no problem. Sorry about that. I'll go back. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we have that. a minute? I don't know what it, I got. No, I got all excited. Oh, okay. We got plenty of time. I just, I, I leaned on my computer board. Forgive me, listeners. Please continue, <laughs> Kayla. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, when I got sober, I also got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I, I'm pretty sure everybody who had any inkling of what um, mental illness looked like could probably have told right. you that I had dealt with mental illness for much longer um, than just when they diagnosed me in my 30s. Um, it was a godsend to receive a diagnosis. And receiving that diagnosis, with, for me, also came with you know, a lot of relief, but then also a lot of fear. I also knew that this was a disorder that usually needed to be treated with prescribed medication. And I had just gotten sober. And that really scared the shit out of me. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm a little neurotic about stuff like that, you know. Um, I am an addict in the sense of uh, not just that if you give me something that makes me feel good, I'm probably going to want more of it and I will – if it if it's the right thing that makes me feel good, I'm probably going to do right. really not awesome things in order to get it again. But right, I'm also no, you know what though? And of, you're not the you're not the only one. I don't mean to interrupt you, but you yeah. know, like you know, the fact that you're willing to share your story is a big deal because you know, I've myself, you and I have talked about this. I myself have been through it, and I've been through a, a sober stint and everything. So I love hearing other people's stories as well because. You know, we're all different, but we're all the same, too. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, but people also have to really, like, remember that, like, that, that addictive, those addictive qualities, I mean, you can sometimes turn those into a benefit, but most of the time it's, it's, it's a detriment if we let it go unchecked. And, and I'm one of those that's yep. like, if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it to the very extreme. <laughs> And that's what I did in my search on, on, on medication. And I did go on medication initially. Um, I didn't really know what else to do, but I also knew that I had to be very involved in, in, in what medication I was prescribed. And uh, I, I, allowed them, I allowed myself to be put on uh, three different things. Uh, lithium was one of them, which I don't really have any fear of. Uh, it's, it, lithium is what it is as it occurs on the periodic table, so it doesn't really scare me. You know, <laughs> like that doesn't scare me very much. Right. The, the side effects are things that can be countered by dosage adjustment and uh, water intake increase. It's really basically, you know, and, and being mindful that yeah. you're, you're keeping an eye on your thyroid and stuff. Um, and for me, I did have to keep an eye on my thyroid because I have a history of thyroid issues in the family. But... Um, but that was one that I didn't, I wasn't so scared of. I, I allowed them to put me on trazodone, which was a, you know, a, a, a low-acting antidepressant that made you drowsy, so I used that for sleep. I woke up usually in a pretty decent mood. And then I let them put me on a lamotrigine, a lamictal. And I chose them okay. 
because I knew that there were aspects that are attached to a lot of these prescriptions that I knew that if they affected me in that way, I would either I would definitely stop taking them and I would not continue right. getting better. You know, um, so I, I researched things like, you know, things that, you know, avoid weight gain. And I knew that lithium was one that I was taking a risk with, so I went on as low as possible. But I did that for a few years, and then I ended up getting sick. Um, I, I had a cancer scare and went on an oral chemo treatment. But in the meantime, I also went off of my meds that I was taking for bipolar disorder so as not to have any complications. Like and, a contraindication or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, but while I was on, while I was taking treatment, I also had lost my entire appetite and, you know, I wasn't really sleeping very well. And I was having a lot of side effects that were further detrimental to my quality of life than actually being sick was. And, um, but I was in, in this treatment, so I can't, I'm not going to tell I'm in the middle of it, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm in it. Oh yeah. Um, and that's when, that's when I decided that I was going to, you know, start using weed again, you know, at least just to try to get an appetite, be able to hold food down, um, get some sleep, not have the muscle ache so bad. And uh, I started with CBD and, uh, and that helped actually really good. And and that's what I really want to point out when it comes to people talking about weed in comparison to some of these harder drugs, um, and then especially prescription drugs because we, we've we've chatted before and I've, I've I've said it most prescription drugs are just legalized versions of street drugs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. And most of them are. But here you have this one substance that like you can pull apart in many different ways. And I'm not medically or, or, you know, trained, you know, expertly trained to discuss, you know, exactly how cannabis helps you. I can just tell you what it does for me. But, like, you have this plant that you can pull apart that can affect you in so many different ways. And I, I feel like there's, when it comes to man-made drugs, they affect you either good or bad. <laughs> like, and, right. And it's always a toss-up. And the bad always has, like, the most extreme result being death. Always. Yep. But I don't have that with cannabis. What I also don't have with cannabis is I don't get the silver bracelets on a regular basis because I live in a state where, right. you know, you know, Medicinally, I think Maryland. I'm in Maryland now, but I was in D.C. In D.C., while their their um, their laws for for how to exchange it are weird, consuming it is totally <laughs> legal. Um, it, oh yeah, our our laws in D.C. are totally fucked up. It's so crazy because it's like yeah, it's like yeah, it's legal for you to have it, and I think you can have like a plant or something like that, and you can give it away, but you can't sell it or buy it. So. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's like whatever guys like it, it, whatever um and if you know if you're already a weed smoker then you don't care you're just going to keep getting the weed yep. the way that you've been yep. getting it and you're just going to make sure that you're not an idiot about it but exactly i've been off of medication now for i'm going to say pretty close to five years 
and um, I, 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 I like the life that I am afforded when it comes to cannabis. There's, a mer- there's so many different ways for me to ingest it. I don't have to smoke it. I'm old school. I like the flower, and I like to smoke it. Yeah, I like to break too. it up. And, yeah. You know, I like to do all of that. I like to ritual it, especially in the morning. Like, that's my thing to do. Um, but, you know, I recommend to people that, like, I, you know, you if you if you do a search on me, you'll find, like, there's an article or two where I've been interviewed as being, like, the sober bartender and stuff like that. And I, I've, I've started shying away from using the word sober because I do use cannabis, and I realize that, you know, the community of sobriety tends to be very purist when it comes to that. Right. And, and it's not really a debate, but I, I also recognize that sobriety is, you know, it is your is your own business, but exactly. Um, you know, I can live a so I can live a sober lifestyle without having the tag of sobriety. Like it's not that important to me. For so much no, you know, it's not. It's not I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I funny. know exactly what you mean. You I know. mean, we have to be respectful um, of other people as well, and not everybody oh, understands. Uh, you know. <laughs> right. And, well, that and not just being respectful of people within the sober community, but also like not being confusing. So, like you know, when you when you lived in sobriety and, and, you know, at least not even successful enough, but just long enough, you know, you've been in that community uh, enough, you, you recognize that it is your own personal journey and you can, you know, yeah, call it however it is that you choose to call it. But when there are people who are not members of the community, um, you have to be really careful with how you present the word sober. Because right. it's so easy no, I know, for people I to misconstrue that with just like <laughs> I just don't drink and don't do drugs, and so I'm sober. And it's right. just like, but you're still an asshole, so you're really not that sober. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. you're still a dick, dude. You know. Yep. But, um, I, I, I so, I, so I, I try really hard. I, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I say it all the time that I think everybody in the world could use a 12-step program just for behavioral purposes only. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, for, like, for the empathy aspects of it. I think just, like, you know, being able to put yourself in a position of recognizing that we all have shortcomings. We all have defects of character. And some of us, it, pre- it presents in a manner like addiction, you know. And others, it could, it, who knows, you know, it, it presents in very different ways. But it all, in, in, no, in no one way or the other is it not detrimental to you. So, right. I agree. Yeah, I mean that's that's something they tell you in the rooms. They always remind you that you know when you're out there in the world, just remember not everybody has a program. You know, right. remind yourself of that and be empathetic about that. And remember what your life was like when you didn't have a program and how you were just flailing around in the social world, talking shit about yeah, where exactly. you went. You know? <laughs> right, and you know, and and we don't even have to, to, you know, like you're saying with labeling either. You don't even have to call it a program. You know, it's just a matter of like for no. me. I meditate. I, I, you know, I meditate. I do yoga. I listen to my meditation songs, and mm-hmm. and I try to I try to read things to expand my mind on spirituality. That's right. one of the things that I do, you know, to center and ground myself. Um, and it's the same idea, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. taking that time for self care. You know. Well, I mean, recognizing that the experiences that you've gone through, good and bad, they're not something that you get to just kind of sit on. You know. Mm. And you should, you're supposed exactly. to, you know, be able to pull from that bag and, and and be okay with who you are enough to be, trans, you know, to be open about those things so that people can receive 
lessons from your from your life experiences, you know. Um, so not a lot of people in this world are, are able to actually go through addiction and make it to the other side. So, oh, no, I not, oh, I know. You, you know, know I, was, I think people I was talking about um, heroin and meth this week, and, you know, I know many people that have that walked the fight against heroin especially, and um, it's, a, it's a real problem and a real thing, and I, and I can always say that I don't know anybody who – you know, drop dead from overdosing on marijuana or cannabis. No, absolutely not. I, I, that's, that's the thing. I just always, so I have, I have a niece who, who is, is going to be, is going to be a junior in college in like a week or so. And before she went away to school and she's an athlete. So I was never, and she's also pretty clean, you know, clean cut. Definitely not like me at all in that sense. Um, <laughs> but you know, my advice to her was like, listen, you when you go into this world, there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure. You know, there's there's not just pressures to succeed or pressures for sex or you know pressures to do drugs. Just a lot of them, and and it's all going to happen to you all at one time. And right now, you're an athlete, and so you have an outlet for you to release, you know, the stress of these pressures, and that's great. But if by chance you don't, or if by chance you feel like you need something else, a substance that's going to assist you in whatever situation it is that you're in, a party or what have you, and you yeah. decide that you're going to make that choice. Like, dear God, please smoke a joint. Like, just please right. do that before anything else. Like, please do not you know, take a drink of alcohol. Is probably the worst decision you can make. It is If there is a gateway drug, it is absolutely fucking alcohol. Like, I can, yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I, you know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because it reminds me, like, where my turnaround happened. Um, I was always into into sports. You probably remember I was on every friggin', mm-hmm. you know, team they had. Um, and so I you remember, remember like, didn't we have uh, a girl, like, play on our football team? Do you remember that? We had a girl play on our football team <laughs> yeah, at, at Augsburg, didn't we? Yeah, we did. No, it wasn't you. Um, you. But I remember her. Yeah, it wasn't me. I don't I'm remember. Sorry, I'm sorry. We like, that's okay. That was we, we were, were like really ahead of our time over there at Augsburg High School. Yes, I we know, were. right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, but um, <laughs> oh, I lost my train of thought. Darn it! <laughs> I'm just thinking about I'm oh, thinking so about sorry. the girl on the football field. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, please continue because I will just chime back in if I remember. <laughs> yeah, so like I just think using the word sober is great for people who absolutely I think I, I actually agree. I, I, I agree with the purists on it. I think sobriety is you know, to call yourself sober I think is not just not drinking, not doing drugs. It definitely is a way of life. But I think that, you know until we have broken the stigma attached to cannabis. Uh, in order to avoid confusion, not just within the community, but especially on the outside of the community of what being sober really is. You know, I don't want to see people walking around being dry, drunk assholes and calling themselves sober. Like, I don't want them to do that because it just takes away from people who really, really work hard. And the truth is, is that those of us who work who are sober, like can go and collect a, a, a chip and stuff like that. Like, I don't think people really get like how, hard it is to not be like that person sometimes some people, that horrible, you know ugly. Right. Some people really do not understand 
the addiction because they don't have it. I mean, at least they, they don't think yeah. they do. I, in my opinion, I think that, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody that's perfect out there and everybody's got their vices. And I feel like there's a lot more people out there that, you know, they use. I, you should have a vice. Though. Like everyone in this right. world should have at least one vice. Raw dogging life, bad idea. Look at what's happening in the world. Right. You wake up and go so cold on that. That's crazy. Right. You're going to jump off a building if that's what you do. <laughs> that doesn't sound like much fun to me, but, um, but I will no. jump out of an airplane again. No. <laughs> That's what I remembered what I was going to say. So when you were talking about going off to college, I remembered that, you know, I played sports. I was supposed to play for college and I hyperextended my knee two weeks into the season Mm -hmm. of my first year of college. And so I decided to join a sorority and literally just started drinking with the sorority all the time. And I was going to mobilize crutches and I learned how to do a keg stand. And then, you know, that right there was my downfall, moved to Florida and the rest is history. But um, I didn't know after Florida will eat somebody alive. Right. Yeah, Florida will I'm eat telling you, you up a lot. Yeah, because let me. I moved down to Miami like right at the end of my drinking, and I ended up coming back with my shit in in plastic bins on a train. Like Miami, <laughs> Florida will eat you alive. Yeah, Florida and addicts is a bad mix, man. You <laughs> probably you probably had roaches in those bags you brought back with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, you know, I was still pretty. I was still still living still living. You know, pretty well above ground, but. You know, I at least was doing. I wasn't ready to quit drinking and and drugging and stuff. I just knew that I needed a, a safety net somewhere closer by. If I was you know, I'm just teasing, you, girl. But hey, we got to take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back you got with it. Kayla. Cool. Why CSI and why now? I am so glad you asked me that. To get more information about us, view our website or our social media pages. You will find out information about our monthly newsletter, our quarterly magazine, and all the great services that we offer. And don't forget the products. And to answer that question you asked earlier about YCSI and Why Now, you will be sure to find that answer out as you go to our website, subscribe now, and get our free booklet and it will give you all the information about getting connected with us and taking a journey with us. And guess what? You will go someplace that you've never been before in life. So don't tell anyone. Join us now. All right. Welcome back. We're here with Kayla. And I wanted to go through, we have about 14 minutes left, Kayla. I want to go through this, uh, just a couple paragraphs on some of the research I did with cannabis yeah. helping with alcoholism just to get it out there. And then we can talk about that um, for the next, you know, 12 or 13 minutes. So medical marijuana for alcoholism may actually reduce the symptoms of an addicted patient, um, namely nausea, vomiting, sleeplessness, mm-hmm. lack of appetite, alcohol cravings, and fatigue, which all go along with withdrawal and recovering from the addictive substances like alcohol. Um, It can also help with relieving psychological conditions such as stress, anxiety, and depression instead of resorting to alcohol to combat them, which is exactly what you were saying when you were talking about your, you know, your, your past about uh, using, using it to make yourself feel different and feel better and not, you know, not feel like 
you were trying to put on a show in front of people. Like I know there's a lot right. of people out there that that feel that way. And you know, this alcohol is a false. Uh, what is you know, like what they say, the beer goggles. You know, it's like it does oh, yeah. the same thing with your, you know, beer muscles, beer with goggles, your and your brain. I guess you call it exactly all of it. And that's <laughs> most of most of working America uses alcohol to treat their their unhappiness. Most oh, of America it, it, does. I'm a bartender. I can tell you most yes. of America uses alcohol to treat their unhappiness. They're seldom happy when they first walk in. Yep. It's actually really sad too, and, uh, you know, I'm a bartender as well and, and it's kinda of sad like when you when you see I worked at a bar that opened at seven AM and uh and I was the morning day day morning bartender and, and mm. some people say, Oh my god, I can't believe a bar's open at that time but there's certain people that are in there every single day. The exact same time every yeah. day. It's and crazy. if you weren't open, they would that that would really be be rough on them. I mean, not right. saying that we should oh, enable yeah. it, but I mean, like that's that's really the seriousness of alcoholism. Like well, the the whole fact that and it's such an the coronavirus such an and easily hidden. Down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was saying with the coronavirus and everything shutting down, and they left the liquor stores open because they couldn't afford. Uh, a rush in of, of alcoholics that were unable to get their alcohol going into the yeah. hospitals with all the COVID cases. Yeah. And that right there, if that doesn't tell you something, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's so easy to find it. I left rehab and there were three, there were three liquor stores just from the rehab building to the main street. That we oh had yeah. And then so, like, here, everywhere here in Arizona, they have it in the gas stations. They have, like, at yeah. 7-Eleven, there's wine, wine and beer at 7-Eleven. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, well, it's really the only addictive substance that all you need is an ID and to be over 21 to purchase. It's, 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 the, it's really the only one. I mean, outside of, you know, cigarettes. I mean, hey, they've right. actually done a pretty good job at, like, cutting people back on smoking cigarettes. I seldom see kids doing it. When we were coming up, I mean, that was there was like crews that went out back between the high school and, right. and the gas station and just to stuff right. off campus. I remember was, there was like a little line that as long as they were on the other side of that line, there's nothing they could do about it. Yeah, yo, I remember, yeah, you know, I remember the good old days, Bogsburg. <laughs> man, oh, good lord. I, so, a, yeah, I wanted, so I, you know, it'd be, it would be dope if if. If the medical in, if the medical industry would find a way to like in mass incorporate cannabis, you know, into their treatment plan in the very beginning of their treatment plans for pretty much anything, right? And resort in resort to prescriptions and and having to cut them open and all of these, you know, much much more, in my opinion, dangerous, you know, paths of treatment. Oh, yeah. Resorting to them last, like I just, I don't understand, you know, why we're so hell bent on, on people having to, like, go through so much suffering before they can actually find any relief. Well, and I don't you know, know any not only that, like, think about it like this: like, if you're in a high school and you have the home ec, the home ec room, which is growing a garden, and you have cannabis in that mm-hmm. garden, and you go pull it out. Or you go into the chemistry room and you drink whatever potion they're making. What choice right. are you going to make? You know, right. Which one? Choose. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, to me, it's as that's simple crazy. as that. Like, 
right? Think about that, you know? right? Because like, that's where these but pills I mean, and everything are made or in bathtubs for the meth-wise, um, you know, and it's like it just it blows my mind because it feels like it should be a common-sense thing to look at it like we have a plant and then we have a concoction. And I think that maybe we should try the plant first because it has so many different uh, you know, we've been going over the medical benefits and, and just with you alone, the things that it's helped you with. Um, and then, you know, for oh, so I many have a things it's helped you with. You know? recovering alcoholic because of cannabis. I have a social life right. because of it. Like, I don't have, you know, I didn't know I dealt with it. I didn't know that what I was feeling as a kid all those years was called social anxiety. I had no clue that that's right. what it was. Until I got sober well, and you, I attempted to have a life in sobriety and realized that like these, I'm, I'm, I deal with social anxiety, but I can actually, because I use cannabis in my daily, I'm able to function through the world like a normal person. I can show up at social events and I don't feel like the, all eyes are on me. And, you know, right. I don't, well, no, you know, I don't think bipolar, I've known people with bipolar and bipolar is not an easy thing to deal with. Like, like you make it sound a lot easier than I know it is. Um, and for you to say that you've been off of the medications for five years, that's a huge deal. That's huge. I had a very good friend. In that, doesn't school come, that, was, uh, that is a lot of work though. That takes a lot is. of work. That's like an everyday right. get it, making sure that you're checking in with yourself and making sure that you're willing to be open about how it is that you, you know, if we if we taught people how to talk about how they're feeling honestly and not really right. give a damn about who is going to hear and act, like that's really what right. it is. is uh, you know, like for so for so many people, it's a matter of like, well, who who's even really going to care? But the reality is right, but, that you you'd be su- you'd be surprised at the person that's going to show up and end up caring. It may end up being you know a lot of times it's the last person you would ever thought of. And well, people and, just I have mean, to get comfortable it's, it's about be being open. First. Yeah. yeah it, well, and that's the thing. It should be you first taking care of yourself. And, and the fact that yeah. you put that much time and effort to yourself is pretty amazing because most people won't do that, you know, or there's this stigma that it's selfish. Well, no, it's not selfish because how the hell am I supposed to take care of anybody else if I can't, take, you know, do it for myself? When I was taking, when I take care of other people, I cannot guarantee that that is not, not me being selfish. Like I'm that kind of Oh, person. right. I know that about me. I know that I will use good deeds as a way to, like, satisfy myself, too, you know, to hope that I'm going to get some type of reciprocation and stuff like that. That, to me, is actually far more selfish than taking the time to just go ahead and fill that void that I already know I'm trying to fill. Like, why use other people in that? Why do other people have to be in it at all? You know, and when you do have that void filled, then you can reach out and help people and it genuinely be a selfless thing. I don't know. I, I think so we we have to change the narrative on what self-care really is. And, and we have to learn that, you know, that people, people have to know that it's okay to just discuss their feelings. And I think that we have to start with kids and teach them that it's okay to just say what you're feeling because we are listening to you. That's one huge thing right. when it comes down to many of us in addictive, you know, in addictive situations is there's so many holes that we've been trying to fill for all these years. Right. And we find this, this one or two or three different things that if we do them just at just the right time, which, you know, it usually only happens the first time, but you know, we do them at just the right time. Right. We're going to fill those holes and I'm going to, I'm going to fill holes. 
you know, and if it's not a, you know, and, and we always say a substance, but it could be anything. I just told you I do, I used to, I do it with deeds, you know. Yep. <laughs> There's so many ways that you can do this, <laughs> this thing. Yeah. And as an addict, as addicts, we do it. Like, we, we, we'll oh, find yeah. way. You know, you give us any task oh, yeah. out there that's beneficial to us, we're going to find a way to do it all the way to and the do it big. <laughs> yep, go big or go home. That's the only way to live. Jeez Louise, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm just, you know, I'm just gra- glad that we're able, we've been able to kind of turn it around a little bit. And by, I mean, by any means, yeah. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, and I've got my issues. But I truly believe that, you know, um, having gone through the journey that I've been through, has made me a better person and I would, I don't regret things um, because I do see some of these other people, like the people that look at something like cannabis and, and they're suffering in their lives and there's this, there's yeah. this option out there that can help them. And, you know, and it's, and it's that a good option. That's so off. Right. Right. Or, you know, yeah. their church or their mom or whoever is telling them that this is bad. Whatever. And is, you're going you know, to yeah, exactly. And I just feel like that we all need to get out there and let people know that that's not the case, you know, um, and that's no. how we do it, by talking about it. Absolutely. Definitely by talking about it. And I think I I also, you know, I, I attribute a lot of the growth of, of, of awareness to the benefits of cannabis. I attribute a lot of that also to our increased talk about mental health. And I think the more in this country – that we focus on mental health, the more likely we are to begin focusing more on uh, natural ways to treat our bodies and to take yeah. care of ourselves. And and I think that we'll start focusing on, on, you know, how artificial we've become in treating ourselves over the years, you know, not just oh, with yeah. medicine, but, you know, and how we feel, you know, how we fill our, our bellies and how we clothe our bodies. You know, when you, if, if, well, when, you know, I think probably human stuff like that, you know, like, like, yeah. why was it even ever an issue that there, that there's like animal products in our, in our shampoo? Like I, you know, why do we even need to do that in the first place? There's obviously other things out there that we can use, you know, even like hemp. I mean, there's, such there's a, a lot of plant material that can be used that are just not harmful to us and yep. Or the environment after being used. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to using cannabis and very, you know, for various things. I mean, that plant is, fucking phenomenal like that what that plant yep. can do could do for an entire society like it, it's it, it's it's appalling how hard people how hard we're working to just get this to be able to be burned legally like that's crazy yep. <laughs> well hey Kayla I have to cut you off because we only have about two minutes left I did want to I one thing that you said earlier that I wanted to repeat because it just sounded good and uh you said something along the lines of you know, we're all just trying to find a way to navigate through the world. Um, and yeah. so, like, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on tonight with me and, and helping me maybe help other people navigate the world with a little less drama and trauma in their lives, you know. Um, yeah. So maybe we can have you back some other time. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we end for the night? So the only thing I want to say is I, I like to reiterate it. No one should raw dog life. Just make sure whatever it is you're using to help you get through the day and to get through this world is not harming you and is not harming other people. That's all I got. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for joining me tonight. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. You can catch the CSI podcast most nights this month. 
Uh, listen where all podcasts are played, share our movement, and help us change the world one toke at a time. My name is Annie, and this is Creative Spaces International. We want to welcome you to our family, sending light and love your way. Have a peaceful and prosperous night, my friends. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Whether you are interested in exposure for your existing business or startup, a place to call home so you can stay in the know, or getting off the sidelines and jumping into the game, CSI is for you. We also have a platform for investors, those seeking investors, chefs, artists, music artists, event organizers, and so much more. Contact us now and get connected. We're waiting on you.